We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Get Your Popcorn Ready. It's your host, Hatch, with my boy. What's up? Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. Get your popcorn ready. Yes, sir. This is your yes, boy, sir. Snow, right here. We are in the building. Yes, sir. In the hey, building. And let me say, uh, I hope everybody had a happy holiday. We still in the new year. So it's happy January. holidays. That's still and January. Merry New Year. <laughs> Merry I, New Year. I, I think we can continue to say Happy New Year and Merry New Year to everybody up until January 31st. That's, that's Absolutely. It's the new year. It's the first month. So yeah. Merry new year to everybody. I Look, agree. I'm going to call it new year once we get a new president. So that's when I'm going to start celebrating. Okay. Oh, there it is. January long. 20th. You ain't got long at all. You're that, that's when the celebration all. starts for me. <laughs> well, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Celebrate again. I'm going to celebrate again when his ass get impeached. Absolutely. Well, well, hey, again, you, we, can yeah, we get the 81 wine for that? <laughs> oh, yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. The impeachment special? The impeachment yeah, I, I, he's already gotten impeached. I want him to get convicted. That's right. <laughs> well, I want let, him to get convicted. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the voice of Jen Welter, the first female NFL coach. Welcome to the building, Jen. Holla at your boy. Hey, it's good to be in the building. You know, when talent, like coaches, we collect talent. So yeah. I'm just here with this collection of talent, and I I am True. so happy to be here with y'all. Oh, good, good. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I guess you're down there in Florida now. So you just got done coaching in the All-Star game. So how's the coaching carousel going for you right now? Uh, you know, it's an interesting time in coaching. Um, can't mm. wait to see what shakes out. Um, but, you know, it, it's always great to be able to to join guys, like getting ready to go into college at the All-Star game. We were actually in uh, at the Star, got to play mm-hmm. um, over in Arlington. And to really give those kids a, a look at where where they're working to get um, mm-hmm. is always fun. Um, and they loved being able to tell people, no, that was my coach, right? They were all up right, on IG, right. like, they were like, who's that chick? And they're like, right, right, right. that's coach right there. <laughs> um, so for them, it's fun to be able to shift perceptions too. Yeah. Well, of course, again, we know, again, you know, I played, T played. This is uh, the NFL game is a masculine environment, right? It's it's ego, it's masculinity, it's it's right. spitting, it's farting, it's all, you know, all these manly things, right? So you're going into this journey, if you will. Your journey's not over, obviously, but you're going into this, you know, this other world, different type of world. What were your kind of, pre? Uh, I guess, like, you know, 
what were you kind of scared of if, if, if there was anything going into this career path that you were choosing? Well, you know, for me, I think it's been a little bit different because thankfully I had like NFL big brothers throughout my career. Okay. Um, you may not know this, but one of the first one of the first or at least early camps that I got to coach at was with was T.O.'s camp. And oh, really? It was 2008. Yeah. Um, I actually had to leave directly from his camp to go mm-hmm. catch a flight to Seattle for a playoff game. Oh, wow. Um, but I was I was so honored uh, that the guys wanted me there for the kids that I wouldn't mm-hmm. miss it. And that, was in, um, that was in Dallas, right? It was in Dallas, right? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. So don't, don't, Hatch, don't think you just got somebody uh, on here like I'm new to the game. I'm yeah, just you, saying. Uh, yeah. So, so look, <laughs> game recognizes game. Game, right and and to saw my game in 2008 before most people even knew i existed right um, absolutely absolutely but well, really well, like the guys always looked out for me and and they would mm-hmm. tell me about the league and you know things like the game doesn't love you right mm. and that was something really important to me um is well if the game doesn't love you that doesn't mean the people don't mm. right and you are so much more than pads and a helmet and a, and a set of gloves that catch a football right mm-hmm. every single person who is under those pads and a helmet is a very real dude right who mm-hmm. has life stuff who has everything else and as a coach in my opinion you are only as good as you are at, at getting to know these guys for mm-hmm. who they are and what they want and what they need. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, if they miss a catch or miss a play that they run 99 times and usually make it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mad on that last time. I'm going to say, what's what, what's up? What's right, wrong? Right. What's different? Yeah, yeah. What's going yes. on? Because mm-hmm. it's usually your mind is somewhere else. And so mm-hmm. um, I think the relationship aspect, I was, I was well coached to go into that. And, you know, I had also played men's pro football for a season. So right, I right. figured I've already gotten hit by the guys for a year. So this is mm-hmm. not going to be at least that painful. Right. Uh, right. It's going to be interesting, <laughs> but it's going to yeah. be different. So, I mean, right. Yes. Go ahead, T. No, it just seems like, you know, you had obviously, uh, you know, just playing the game. And then it seems like, honestly, just listening to you that you that you had I'm, th- I'm sorry I get cut off yeah uh, just listening to you, it seems like that you had uh, an affection for um and a passion for for teaching and coaching uh, not only just pay- not just playing the game but just listening to you um you know articulate um about not just playing the game and the game not loving you back um but loving the people um I think that's what I've gathered you know just listening to you talk um, aside from from just you know obviously giving back and that's what you're doing now, um, what were just I guess to piggyback on some of what Hat said, what were some of the obstacles um, in 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 coaching males um, just at the men's game by being you by by you being a female? I, I think I think the biggest obstacle wasn't actually in the coaching. You know this. I think it's the outsiders looking in mm-hmm. and the narratives they want to create. Right? Media is tough. They're they're looking for stories. And, you know, I had to really quickly realize that if I was going to be up or down based on what they were saying, I was never in control of my own mental state, right? Because one day it would be like, this is the best thing for women in the world. Like we have a female raw, like last everything breaking. And then the next day it would be like, yeah, we don't know how we feel about a woman there or she should smile more. That was one I got from the sidelines that I looked too serious. I'd love (laughs) them to tell Bruce Arians that he should smile more, by the way. But in terms of the players, you know, what was interesting is BA actually got the buy-in from the players before he offered me the job. Mm -hmm. So I think he 
he did a lot in setting that up. Um, the leaders on the team made that call. So they were really excited about being part of history and changing the NFL because as we all know, like that doesn't happen often and it doesn't happen easy. So yeah. They were really proud to be a part of history. Um, in terms of with the guys, I say I laughed often because some of the things would be like just communication stuff or not being able to necessarily model how I was going to coach them based mm -hmm. on, you know, the other male coaches, right? Mm -hmm. I never wanted like a communication to go bad, for example. Yeah. Can y'all imagine what would have happened if I'd have gotten in, say, T.O.'s face, which, you know, we all know I'm 5'2", so it would have mm -hmm. been more like his belly button, right? I'm getting <laughs> his belly right. button. Right. And all of a sudden he said something bad. Even if I was wrong or we were mm -hmm. just chopping it up about the game, the narrative yeah, that would have been created by the media yeah. would have been like, oh, he hates women, right? Yeah. And so oh, yeah. I was always very careful to make sure that my communication was done in a way that we didn't have that. So it was yeah. very one-on-one, -on -one, like, hey, T, he's overbiting on this. Next time, try stemming him and then go back, right? Like, right. It'd be a so, one -on -one you, so, so you were very conscious, so you were aware, you were conscious of that while you were coaching. And so Absolutely. you basically, oh, that, that's interesting. That's well, interesting that you well, were aware of that at that time, just not to create a narrative that could have been kind of detrimental to your progression and okay. your journey. Absolutely. Right. And to the players and to myself, right? right? I looked at it for me as as the first, the opportunity and the responsibility is to ensure you're not the last. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to give them any reason to say, oh, this is why a girl can't coach football or this is why it's bad to have a female mm -hmm. in these situations. So I always wanted to be conscious about even, and, and we know this, like when you're first, you're controversial just by nature, mm -hmm. right? Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. And there are, there are, I am sure, doors that I opened that other women will get to walk through that I won't That's simply sure. because not everybody likes the first. Yeah. But for me, you know, my PhD is in psychology. I studied coach-athlete relationships in school. Mm -hmm. um, I did my dissertation on the NFL's use of the Wonderlic. A lot of the things that I looked at to break down uh, were things that maybe bothered me throughout my career. And... Mm -hmm. I wanted to be like a secret weapon, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I give him value, right? T.O.'s a competitor. I know that, right? The dude was competing with kids at his own camp. Like, y'all better make it, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't giving mm -hmm. him anything easy. And I love that. I respect it. I never forgot it, mm -hmm. right? And I know that with a competitor, if I add value to you, you're going to come back for more. Mm -hmm. So anything I tell you is going to be my <clears throat> best intention to help you. Now, they may change things. Things may shift. Mm -hmm. It may not always work. But you know that we've built a foundation of our coach-athlete relationship through love and trust. Mm -hmm. You trust that I'm going to give you everything that could possibly help you with no pullback and no ulterior motives because you trust the love and the respect we have in our relationship. Right. So yeah. I just wanted to be like, you know, that voice. Hey, next yeah. time try this or hey, well, well, next let, time you let get me, in his head, like try this. And then me, they would come back and say, Hey, coach, what else do you have? Well, let me let me ask you this again. I, I know I was wary of coaches coming in. Um, if you never coached receivers in the NFL mm -hmm. and you came to coach me as a receiver, I'm like, I've, I've played with the best. I've been coached by the best. If you don't come with that first day telling me some magic stuff, I'm really kind of I'm not tuning you out, but I still. You're looking trust. at her sideways. You're oh, man. I'm trusting myself sideways. way more than I trust you, right? So yep. give, give us some examples. What would you say uh, again to T.O. on day one coming to the San Francisco 49ers? Because I know, like I said, your, your journey's not over. You, like you said, you could be coaching with the Atlanta Falcons next year. You could be coaching some other legends like, you know, it could be Julio 
Ordell, right? Those superstar receivers, they're going to look at you a certain way, let's say, right? What's some <laughs> well, of those thank things you that you me, I don't coach receivers. Well, I'm just, yeah, 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 because we, right? we divas. Yeah, you can't, you can't coach everybody. I get it. But, no, I, I coach on but, defense, right? So linebackers, right. D-line. So, yeah, um, so you got your superstar linebacker next year. What's some of those first things that you're going to be able to do to break the ice? Like, give us some real tangible things. Yeah, um, so I'll use Dion Buchanan as an example. Uh-huh. Um, Buck is a great example to me because he was a safety mm-hmm. um, prior to when we moved him down into the box at Arizona, right? Because mm-hmm. they like they like smaller guys who they can use in multiple ways, right? You see that in the Bulls defense now. And Buck is, I mean, he's strong. He's a he's a fiery guy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to tell him anything. And he was trying to big body these old linemen because that's what mm-hmm. he thought it was supposed to be, right? right? He was right, taking right. on everything. And I was like, Buck, <laughs> if there's one thing I can teach you yeah. is how to play undersized. Right. You can get that guy once, but you can't last attacking the whole body of that old right. lineman the way you are, Take right? So we worked yeah. a lot about really getting low on the dip and rip, him using his speed, attacking one shoulder, as opposed to getting trapped in the body of him, mm-hmm. um, and just small technique things that could allow his his size speed to be an advantage as opposed to a disadvantage in that box. Does that make sense? So that was a big one. Um, And it's funny because Buck is quiet and I didn't even necessarily realize the impact it had on him until it came to me from somebody a couple years later. They're like, oh yeah, Coach Chen helped me play undersized. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, those technique things. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably where I was best because being undersized, you know, I couldn't get by on just bit. Right. Mm -hmm. It's never going to happen. So hand placement, foot placement, angle of attack, really very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I also remember I was working with um, he was a rookie on our team, Pound Cake at that time on something for special teams. And it was hand placement um, below the pad through extension for um, for something we were doing on special teams. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment when Lorenzo Alexander, right? He's a legend on special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Zoe is walking by and Pound Cake kind of looks at him like, oh my gosh, it's the legend, right? right. And he was like, so is there anything I should do on special teams and he just looked and he goes what you need to do is focus up on what coach is telling you right there because i've been yeah. bird dog and she's on point right there you go right so, right right you know and tia will tell you this and you know this as well when you get up to that level a lot of the technique stuff gets forgotten right you have eight to ten minutes at skill positions and so you like hearing from the guys that were like man it was really refreshing to get some fine tuning mm-hmm. on even some of those technique whether it was head body angle um even the place where you would dip and rip through mm-hmm. um and the way footy and i worked it uh, sorry larry foot i call him footy because he has the e there yeah, it throws foot. everybody off yeah. but um Who is the way he worked it is he <laughs> was macro and i was micro so i could pay attention to the smaller details where when he had to look at everybody and make sure the drops were right and some of those things, um, he could let me, you know, come in. And then the other credibility I'll pull from the Atlanta legends is, you know, I stood on the table for a few guys. Um, I kept one guy from getting cut and I moved another guy's position. Um, he was out of out of position as a linebacker, as an outside linebacker in a 4-3. He was more of a rush end um, when he played at Georgia Tech. Um, and the Saints had tried to convert him, but he got cut first. So he hadn't gotten great at the coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did a scrimmage, he made the most tackles of anybody on defense, but some of his coverage was like half a shade off. And our set, our defensive coordinator was a secondary guy. So 
he was missing the fact that this guy was a baller, but out of position. Um, and I got him moved to D-line for that. And, you know, there's not a lot of people who will just say, no, this isn't right. Like, hey, let's try this. And he ended up being one of our highest rated guys in terms of accuracy. So, oh, man, I like the way you explained that. You said he was a baller, but he was out of position. That's pretty much the way that I kind of can explain Hatch. He was a baller. He was just out of damn position. He probably <laughs> right. hey, something else. I tell you what. I tell you what, receiver wasn't his thing. <laughs> there ain't there ain't no position I couldn't have played between those lines. I oh could have played God. corner, safety, outside backer, receiver, running back, quarterback. Yeah, I could do it all. See, that's the I'm difference t- between I'm, that's I'm the difference between a good a athlete. I'm I don't want your backhanded back compliment. compliment. I'm gonna give I'm you a backhanded compliment. I'm you're a ball front-handed out of position. <laughs> you, just you, <laughs> you just got T.O. You just got T.O. I'm just saying. Like, no, I'm not trying to take all that. No, it's all good. I'm, use, I'm using that. All, all, I'm using that. You was a baller. No, you were just out of position. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Hey, you you lucky you was in position where you was. Chump, I ain't trying to hear Oh, my God. Jen, I want to – I I'm, I'm looking through all my notes and stuff and – uh through what the producers have provided for me. And I see that you played in the indoor, the IFL, the Indoor Football League. And I played in that league too. Uh, I know. Did you guys, did you guys, cro- you. Did you guys cross paths? Did she tackle no, you? No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I, I would have known. Because no, I, 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 I mean, just the physical, you know, specimen that I am, I would never let a female tackle me on the football field. That's just how I feel, Jen. <laughs> Has nothing to do with you, but that's just how my confidence in myself. But T, on the other hand, you probably could have tackled T. I'm pretty sure. Hey, let me tell you something. That field, honestly, Hatch, I think I came back to Calabasas and worked out um, mm-hmm. shortly after I had played in that indoor football league. Yep. And what that did for me was quicken my footwork up because right. when I came back, dudes couldn't even touch me because when you're when you're playing in that indoor football league, every every route is basically shortened, probably like maybe shortened down, maybe like maybe down to make a yard and a half, two wow. yards. Right. So yeah. everything has to be has to quicken up because mm. of, like I said, the short the space. Yeah the space. And so it's like you're playing in a box in a sense. Mm-hmm. So when I got back from, you know, from, from indoor football league practicing every day, and I honestly, like I, our, our out routes were probably like three and a half yards. And then like our square outs, or they mm-hmm. were probably like it, they we were running those at probably like eight, like at eight wow. yards. Yeah. So I had to, so I had to quicken my feet, feet up just to run those routes. And so dude, when I got, when I got on the grass on a real football field, dude, I got up on those guys and in and out of my route so fast, they could, t- I didn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. They he actually, actually Paul Pratt, he told me, he goes, dude, he said, man, he said, man, you look quicker, bro. He's like, but I didn't tell him until after the fact. And then right. I start, and then I start thinking. I'm like, man, that's crazy. And honestly, when you're, this is what I want to do with my son and and guys that are especially long legged guys, long gated mm-hmm. guys that are having trouble getting in and out of out of their routes and basically transitioning, breaking down. That's what I want to teach them. I want to work with them because when you work on a shortened field like that, you have to put in their mind that they're working in a 50 yard space, 50, 60 yard space. Mm-hmm. So they have to quicken their feet up. And that's what, that's what I, I can do. And some receivers should do, especially coaches. I'm giving them some nuggets. If you're listening, coaches, Dang, shorten listening. their routes up, shorten their routes <laughs> up to where they are 
um, like I said, they can get quicker. Uh, they can transition in and out of their routes. And then once they get on, the, I guess, a regular size football field, mm-hmm. it's going to it's gonna come natural. They'll be able to get to that two or three more yards quicker and they can break out of it, the transition out of it better. And that's what I noticed that it, it did for me. But my question was, how was your experience, you know, especially as a female, because everything is quicker, it's faster. Basically, for Hatch to understand, it's like the red zone. Everything yep. happens quicker and faster in the red zone. For all the listeners out there, we're talking to Jen Welter, uh, first female to do a lot of stuff in uh, in the football okay. space or uh, what have you. And we're basically we're talking about now. Um, just the, the 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 space in which IFL is played in and under, and then for a female, because I played in that league, everything happened so fast. What was your like? How did you adjust to the speed of the game? Because because again, like I said, IFL football is definitely is different than NFL football. Can you explain to our listeners out here what was the difference in and what was your mindset going into the IFL? It is yeah, it's so different, and I have a lot of love for it. They also have the high motion, which you know yeah. really creates a lot of matchup stuff. It's a fast paced version. If you guys haven't seen it or you're newer to football, I think sometimes it's easier to appreciate because the complexity of the line isn't there to the extent, right? Things you can see them better, right? With three O linemen and three D linemen, you can also see that interior play better. Um, But for me, you know, the IFL was interesting because first of all, they didn't let me play defense. I had to play running back. So and there's no running out of bounds, y'all. So you're getting hit on the every wall is out of bounds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the wall is out of bounds. So you can you can choose. Um, and what I knew is, you know, they really wanted it to be kind of a PR thing at first, right? Like mm. they asked me to go through a day of training camp with their guys. And Tio knows me. I called BS on that in a heartbeat. I was like, excuse me, what? I just won my second gold medal with Team USA. And you want me to do what? Come out here and like run some ladder drills and smile for the camera? That's yeah. an insult to me as an athlete. And if I was any one of your guys on your team, I would absolutely hate it. Um, You're not going to use me like that. If you want to do anything with me and your team, either I do everything that they do, step for step, hit for hit, or I do nothing. That was and, an insult to you as a female, not just as an athlete. First and foremost, <laughs> that was an insult to you as as a female. And then just what you alluded to, um, I think it wasn't uh, having a female on a football team. It hadn't been accepted yet. So that's where you're really going with this, because now you look at what you've done. I consider you a trendsetter from the month. Like I said, the moment that I saw you at at, at, at my camp in 2008, I didn't really I didn't think twice about it. I didn't think anything about it because me, I didn't I didn't judge you. I just felt like, OK, here's a person. I just looked at you as a person. I didn't see you as a female coach or whatever the case may be. I just saw you yep. as a person that's offering, uh, you know, giving back to the kids. And you felt that you had something that you could give to the kids. So I didn't see it as such, but go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I have so much respect for you to this day. Right. Like anybody who treats me that way, like I'm always going to be like that for them, because it would have been very easy for any of these guys along the way to just be like, nah, Right. And yet I was brought in even as different and that it was special to be different. Right. It wasn't just, oh, we're putting up with it. And so once I pushed back on on the revs, essentially I got the attention of the coach and he kind of looked at me and he was like, okay, Mm. I might have something with this girl. You know, he got that half smile, like, (laughs) okay. Okay, And he basically then invited me to do all of training camp, said he was going to have to make me a running back. And I was like, uh, might be more scared of playing running back than I am about playing with dudes. Cause this is not what I'm good at. Right. Absolutely. 
Um, so it was definitely a setup to get me killed. Um, but it made all the guys like, and they would say it to this day. I don't know if you know him T, but, um, Clinton Solomon, who was a receiver played for the bears, um, for I think three years and then was with the revolution. He was our, he was our number one. Um, and as soon as I got there, he said, I don't care if nobody else gets it. Like, you know, you got a friend in me and I've got your back. But he also told me, he's like, you have to be a part of our locker room. Mm -hmm. So it can't be you versus us because there will always be someone else. Mm -hmm. He said, what I want you to do is be ice cold. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, it's going to be hard physically, hard mentally, give them nothing. Mm -hmm. And he said, but if something bothers you, tell me and let me handle it as a captain and a leader on this team. And if I see it, I'll squash it immediately. And good leadership. Yeah. I mean, and awesome. and we're great friends to this day. Like I'll never forget how Solo did this dude. T, I think you probably will respect this. So we're at practice. I'm doing inside run, right? So I'm, I'm getting beat up from the street up, right? Like, mm. you know, there's, there's <laughs> no outside, right? Like I'm taking on a blitzing linebacker and having to stand up in there. And then I think I'd get it. And then the next time they'd swim me, I'd end up face first in the dirt. And I'd just kind of get up and be like, you know what? I can do better. And that's mm. what the guys needed to see. First of all, that I was there for the right reasons. I was I'm going to say, you can't hit me. I'm a girl. That was the job description. Yeah. Right. So I was there for the ball. Well, meanwhile, while we're inside run, you know, the corners and, and uh, receivers are playing, you know, seven on seven, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, Solo comes by me and he goes, don't worry about this little mama. I got it. And I kind of looked at him, you know, probably mud all over. And I was like, okay. <laughs> he stopped practice and he said, coach Dub, I need some one-on-ones right now. Mm -hmm. And Dub kind of looked at him and he was like, all right, Solo, you got it. You know, and he called out this corner who apparently had said it was wrong for a female to be out there. And if I ran his way, he was taking me out. Yeah. yeah. So Solo wasn't having that. And he said, he goes, hey, you, you are not good enough to talk smack to a girl. Mm -hmm. I'm getting you cut today. Mm -hmm. You and me, one-on-ones, let's go. Mm -hmm. And so they line up, the corner immediately lines up off man. Solo looks at me, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, you a big man. You want to get this girl. You compress. Yeah, compress me. Compress me. Already. <laughs> right? Calls him out. Calls him to the line. So the guy lines up. He looks at the quarterback. Solo looks at him, points at him, taps the top of his head. He says, mm -hmm. I'm about to run a fade on you right now. <laughs> Calls the route. Goes down. One-handed catch in the end zone. Pulls it down. Puts it in the guy's face and said, you still want to talk smack to a girl? <laughs> man y'all have fun y'all have fun at practice <laughs> oh yeah yeah IFL it's a little bit more lax than relax I want to say you, you, you let the man shut lax. down practice and go some one-on-one we would have did right. one-on-ones all day right <laughs> oh man awesome now did but, you ever did you ever get your like I said you ever get hit or like yo this might be something I you know I was not ready for because the physical I might want to reconsider yeah, yeah did that ever come into play like woo that dude just knocked my head off there were two two times that I felt that one okay. time was in practice and you know that practice when it's after a game and the coach is chewing the linebackers out because they had not hit hard enough yeah now, that's not, you don't want to be a running back chewing. on that day right I knew that <laughs> chewing because I had experienced it as a linebacker Backer. So now as a running back, when I hear this, I go, oh, damn, this is about to be one of those mistakes, right? Yeah. We had a guy who was a hybrid receiver running back and he heard it and he goes, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go catch the passes, right? And I was like, 
Oh, hell. And we had a guy named Danny Mason who ended up going and playing uh, for the Broncos after the IFL. He's now in the CFL. And D Mace was about, I think he was six foot four. He had grown late um, mm-hmm. coming out of, I think, AM com- com- Commerce. Commerce. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was there to get some tape and hopefully elevate because, I mean, he had everything he needed, right? So Danny Mason hit me so hard that I <laughs> flipped. Right. Because he got low and, you know, I'm little. So you hit me like that. I literally (laughs) flipped and landed square on my helmet. And I remember I think I was in shock because I just got up and I walked back to the line and took the football and I'm standing there like I'm going to go again. Mm -hmm. And the impact from the helmet, I had like tears running down my face, but I'm not crying. It's just like shock. And the coach who Coach Rhodes, Earl Rhodes, was not about me playing for this team at first. Like he was mad. Right. Girl out here. da 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 da. He's an old school dude, right? He looked at me at that moment and he was like, take a minute. And I said, no. Mm -hmm. And he's like, take a minute. You can't go again. And I looked at him and I said, no. Yes, I can. All right. And I'm just there lined up again. And he's like, I ain't doing this drill anymore. And he walked away. Like he was so mad that it didn't make him quit. Right. Um, but that was one of those moments. And then the first game I played, um, you know, I mean, y'all know this. There was one mandate for that defense. And I would have done the same thing. Like, I don't care if we lose by a thousand. The girl does not do anything. Right. Absolutely. Hit, <laughs> yeah. Right? You're, you're a target. You're going to be the target every weekend, weekend and week out. That's right. And if I was the coach, I'm telling you what I would have done. I'd have been like, little fast girl. You're probably never going to get the ball. You are going to be the epic decoy, right? Yeah, we're going right, right. to run you in front play, and play action you all day. Behind yeah. us. Like, <laughs> you're going to pull all the attention. All my guys are going to score. That's what I would have done. Right. right? And right, then right. When they were like, oh, she's just a gimmick. They're never going to give her the ball. They made you think about it. But up until right. that point, you could be the best decoy in the world because everybody's looking at you. Mm-hmm. But no, it was mm-hmm. a setup to get me killed. And I don't know about y'all, but if I had a five foot two, 130 pound running back, if it's 130, it might be less. Um, I, I, there's a play I would not run. Can y'all tell me what that play might be? ISO. Up, up the middle. ISO. You ain't running no ISO. Get your head knocked off. <laughs> so let me just inform you that they ran that three times in a row. There you go. Right? There you go. So what Sterling Sharp said after he watched it, he was like, was the play call in the huddle, Jen die left, Jen die right? Right, 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 right. Jindai, right. <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't a dive. It was the dive play. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. And he said, so what was your plan? I said, take so, the handoff, survive. secure the freaking football. <laughs> and when they hit the heck out of me, just get back up. Like yeah. they didn't even touch me. Yeah. And so the first play of the game, I get hit by two guys. Boom. And I mean, it was a smack. And I just, I got right back up though. Cause that's what I was used to. You know, right. like I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Right, right. I'm all right. And I'm all right. <laughs> right. And I hear all of these, like the place is going crazy, right? It's like, ah! and I was like, what, what is going on? They're all right. talking smack, right? That's all I could assume is that they were like, you know, talking smack because I didn't go as far as I wanted to. Um, I didn't realize everybody was cheering because I was not dead. Um, they were right. actually really excited that I was Absolutely. up on my feet. Yeah. But she's, a, she's alive. Mind, she's alive. That's right. <laughs> in my mind, they were talking smack. So I just looked at all the guys on the other team and I was like, is that all you got? Hilarious. I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. They got a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, they got a little bit more. But um, that was the part that was legendary. And I remember guys from the other team coming up after, and they were like, I never, never. thought in my life I I'd would see, see the that. day already. Right. And, and a lot of them, I'm like, like, they'll send me messages. They're like, you remember that time, man? I tell people about that all the time. And I just, yeah. you know, right. because when you do things out of the box, it changes the perception, which allows us to hopefully make a better reality. Absolutely. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is January. And you know what that means in the NFL? It is playoffs. But this year in January, we also have something else that's special. The return we have all been waiting for is finally here. And one of the most notorious icons is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test and compete for a shot of millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings, safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your winning convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code GPR. Free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code GPR to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, now, after, after any of those games, did you like did you like go home and like cried or you go home like frustrated? Like what was the feeling like after the game, like after the moment when those moments were over? Well, I definitely didn't cry because I made it. Right. But I think, you know, I think the moment that was really telling to me is like, especially that, that first game, um, it turned out that there was um, the Women's World Games were in Arlington. So women from all over the world had come in for a tackle football clinic and then they were playing games. So it's something I would have done had I not been playing with the revolution. And so there were all of those women after they finished up that day, they came to watch that game mm. and they went so crazy. It was like ridiculous. And then I saw from like, I heard from two of my teammates, um, Alberta Fitcher Bryson and Odessa Jenkins, who are, you know, two of the toughest women I know. And they were like, Man. they were like, oh my God, is she dead? No, she got mm-hmm. up. She's not dead. And they right, had like right. tears in their eyes and they had like, you know, just the pride because they knew I was playing for like all of the women, right? Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done that if it was just about me right. in and of myself. But if that could change the game for all of the women who I'd sacrificed with and grinded with and, you know, we played at the at these stadiums that basically were less than a park field or, you know, paid a dollar a game and all this stuff. If that sacrifice could change it for all those women I love, I was good. So seeing those women like, you know, basically like crying and freaking out, like, she's all right, she's okay. Like, Mm-hmm. It, it that was the most epic moment. Gotcha. Nice, nice. So, in your personal opinion, do you ever think that there will be a female to play in the NFL ever? I think they're trying to make it happen. Actually, I know they're trying to, but now you've seen the physicality at your level. 
right? Physically, right. you felt it now, but yeah. mentally you've seen it, you know, on the NFL level, because again, you, you can't be, you can't be five, two and be a male in the NFL, let alone, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be, I've seen some females who can move, right? Of chick, mm-hmm. there was a, there was a female that played um, for the uh, Chicago lingerie league was thick. She was like five, seven, 170, 180, but could move. I'm like, that was physically amazing for a female, right? If she could move that big. But like, yeah, you're still going to have to hit that, you know, close to that 190, 200 pound mark and be five, nine, five, 10 in order to take pounding of, on right. the offensive or defensive side from a female point of view. So that's why I like, do you think that that'll ever happen? I think you'll see a kicker. I do. Oh, I think oh. that's the first thing that you'll see. You've seen it on indoor. Yeah. You've seen it True. in college. Vanderbilt and- this year. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's a, you know, and there have been women, right? Becca Longo was the first woman to earn a college scholarship for football. Mm. Um, Kate Hindi and some of those have played. Um, there were indoor kickers as well. And, you know, I think it needs work. I think it needs training, right? Like um, Sarah Fuller, who kicked this year, mm-hmm. you know, she needed more time. She stepped in a tough situation. Um, but I think what you've seen, even through some of the women's national team kickers who proved that they have the leg, right? Yeah. is that they'll now need the training because it's a lot, there's a lot more to it than just having the strength. Yes. But what we've seen is that they can get the strength. And if you take someone and teach her that yeah. has the size strength combination, I think you'll see a kicker first. I think it's just the most logical. But mm-hmm. as we start to equalize, right, you will have standouts. We have, for the first time um, in 2021, the NAIA is having uh, girls varsity flag football as a sport. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, for the first time, I'm, girls can change their life trajectory and their family's life trajectory through education by playing football. That, to me, is the tipping point, right? Yeah. That is something that has not happened before in the history of the game. And that can literally change everything because yeah. now it won't be we're playing football instead of something else. Right. Like football is my thing for girls. And they'll get to have a runway that most of us who are playing today certainly didn't have. And we didn't have permission to dream that it was possible to, you know, even do the things that I've done. And I look at girls all the time and, you know, I do stuff all over the country to give them that is say, don't, don't be me, be way better, right? Like play earlier, go further, um, surround yourself with the guys who are doing the same workouts and make yourself hang with them. I don't give prizes for showing up while female, meaning like yeah. you have to let me play um, because I'm a girl. No, no. Yeah, we at, um, we were doing some stuff about a year and a half ago, uh, the Nike circuit. We do all the high school stuff in Elite 11. And we were having Nike's having an initiative to um, do this type of training, football training, because in Georgia, I think it was they have. I think about 20, 25 schools now that have female flag football. So it's yep. definitely taken off in the next 10 to 20 years. It'll be, it'll be big. It'll be big. Oh, it's going to be fat. It's going to be faster than that because yeah. so Georgia was the fourth state to add yep. high school varsity flag football. Um, I've, I've heard Alabama's in line. Um, I've talked to guys trying to get pushed through in New Jersey um, there's big pockets in New York where they play in like the city leagues, but it's not varsity. Mm-hmm. Um, Massachusetts has a big collective and it's a very easy title nine equalizer. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the 2022 world games, um, that are going to be in Alabama, they're actually going to have both men's and women's flag football as mm-hmm. a part of that, which changes wow. everything because that's, that's basically feeding on to could football become an Olympic sport. So 
Um, well, well football, football, changes. NFL football is definitely on its way to coming a flag football sport. That is for sure. The, <laughs> the physicality they're taking out of that. But, uh, you know, that's just me personally thinking. Yeah. You know? But I think uh, what you guys touched on and what Jen touched on as well, when you think about just the mental aspect of it, especially of women uh, actually playing at the pro level, um, I think what's most important is the physical element of the game. Uh, and outside of kicker, that's it's interesting that she said, okay, will a woman ever play the National Football League? You know, outside of kicker, what other position do you really, un- I, I'm just speaking in general, question. what other position do you really think a female is going to be able to play? Because now you think about ways to justify just the, I guess, the physical aspect and element of the game. Because if, you, if you're trying to, again, uh, transition and, and, and have a woman be the first to play in the NFL, you have to think that there are guys in high school that are more physically uh, uh, touted, uh, you know, to, to play at the NFL level more so than a woman. So that's going to have to be some justification for that. Because like I said, outside of the kicker position, what other position that you're really going to feel that a woman or a female can play that they will be able to compete and really, again, have a spot on the 53 or, you know, on the roster. I think it it could only be two positions. It would have to be a receiver or a corner. Because of the speed. Because there's females who can be fast. We know that. There's right. some females that can roll. Right. right. So that's what I'm saying. There's going to have to be some ch- yeah. type of justification because you got to look at high school. Because now, like I said, it's the physical element of the game. That yeah. I think is what's preventing women for, from actually actually playing. Again, because the game is physical and it's fast. Mm-hmm. The mental aspect, yeah, I can, I understand how women's like, okay, I understand. I know the game. Their IQ may, may have a high IQ to play mm-hmm. the game. But when you're talking about really playing those skills, positions that physical element and like i said that's what's going to really come into play uh when it when it comes to, i guess in terms of a female actually playing in a game yeah. because again when you when you say a football girl playing football you want you don't just want to see somebody go out there and kick although that's admirable because everybody has a skill set and i think we're making strides at making that happen but especially if you're like what what Jen did, she didn't go play no kicker right. position. You know <laughs> she what I mean? Out there getting in. <laughs> she was out there. She was in the middle. She was in the thick of things, okay. literally in fear of things. Hey, hey when you when you go an inside run, you in the thick of things. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's why I say I don't know if it's gonna happen anytime soon. Like I said, yeah, it's gonna be a major uh, accomplishment and feat just to have a female on the football field. Uh, again, with some professional athletes in a professional football game. Again, we've already made strides from from every aspect of the game. You know, you have we have we have uh, female um, uh, referees. Um, that's mm-hmm. basketball. You know, and 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 and, and NFL, other sports yeah, and yeah. NFL, the the um, NBA. So now, again, to actually implement females into the game, that's what's going to be really special. But like I said I don't see it happening anytime soon. Outside of like you, like you said, you have a kicker and what was the other position that was it uh, he, said he said corner and receiver yeah but, you know yeah, yeah. i think what's interesting is like is should the goal be right and here's the question should the goal be getting a woman an mm-hmm. opportunity to play with guys in the nfl or should the system or should the goal be to give women the opportunity yes. to have a league where they Their get paid and they can make a living, yes. right? And there well, are I, it's gonna, I think it's going to be tough to do that in a sense because, like I said, it 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 is that's going to be like I said that's a big feat in itself because you've got to think about look at what the WNBA is is they're still struggling as well, so it's going to have to be a league where again the, let's say let's say it's the NFL. 
they're going to have to really support. They're going to have to really support that league to get it to where it needs to be. And if you think about just the, the WNBA, they're not even where they want to be considering, you know, look at look at how much money the, 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 the NBA generates and how much these women are underpaid in the WNBA. You think about some of these women, and I know for a fact, some of these women could obviously play, play, play in the NBA because you, you, you have to get out of the mindset of, of of us watching and hearing the household names and those five to seven guys that play every night. You got to think there's about eight to nine guys that are on the bench that we don't even know about. I can play. Those guys are talented as well. So you have to think and you have to imagine g- girls like Asia, uh, Asia Wilson, uh, Lisa Leslie when she paid, when she played, uh, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, um, all of these women, um, Candace Parker, they ideally, like I said, given an opportunity, they can play in the NBA. But there's a that there's that physical element and the aspect of the game that obviously may come into play. Uh, and you have people like Nancy Lieberman who've done it, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, awesome. I mean, she's a legend. She's been setting the standard. But I do think what you're going to see um, in the next few years, like, you know, good friends of mine, um, Odessa Jenkins, founded the WNFC. And what I really appreciate of what they've done about it is they've upped the branding and really the quality of the game. Yeah, they're still, you know, they're still building, but they're doing it the right way. And it's something that I haven't seen um, to this extent in, you know, all my time in football. So what I'm excited about is that now is conversation, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not all to have a conversation, conversation right, right? Right. And you do have opportunities. So with the NAIA coming in and now offering scholarships to girls playing football, what does that mean? There's going to be dollars allocated to girls playing football and training them and doing them the right way. And so all of that will, I think you build from the bottom and the top simultaneously, right? This Mm -hmm. is mine. You know, I've, I've dedicated what the last three years to like gridiron girls and creating opportunities for girls to learn the game across the country. Right. So we're building Mm -hmm. the feeder system and the girls that will then go play. Mm -hmm. Right. And also pairing them with, you know, the coaches and the mentors who are currently playing. So you're also developing the fan base Mm -hmm. because that's something that's unique as well. And then while those women are playing and you're, you know, the girls now want to go see them play. So you're increasing the audience. Those women are getting better and better. And the girls who start playing through the NAIA and training and coming through can then transition and play flag at the highest level too. So there's going to be so many more opportunities that the level overall is going to elevate and the viewership will Mm -hmm. grow organically with it as well. Before that, it was basically like, you know, we women were playing, but you know, I would say we were the best best kept secret in sports, right? Mm -hmm. And yet they still call football the final frontier for women in sports. And I know for me and so many others, that was like, we said, okay, if this is the final frontier, then when we win here, not only can we change sports, but we can change society because there is a special part to football. And it's, it's so beautiful and powerful for women to come to football because it is that place they were told they couldn't come. Mm, Right. And I think what you mentioned too, I think in order for, uh, again, like it, which has been a struggle for the WNBA and I'm using them as an example because what you're essentially parallel. Sure. Right. What you're essentially trying to do is what the WNBA is trying to do is try to get on that equal playing field. Um, You know, uh, equal, uh, you know, get paid equivalent, you know, to how uh, the NBA guys are playing. And what you have to do and and what I got from what you're saying um, is you're going to have to create a fan base. It's two Fs, fan base and funding. That's the only way it's going to happen. And you have to find and it's going to have to be somebody with some deep pockets that believe in the women, believe in 
the movement of women in order for that to happen. Not to say, you know, it's not going to happen, but it's going to be a longer road. It's going to be a longer journey for it to happen. And like I said, you got to, like I said, you have to use the WNBA as a, as a blueprint for what you got, what you women are trying to do. Because like I said, I feel like I, I, I don't understand why these women are struggling and especially for them to be the sister of the W, uh, the sister uh, sport of the, uh, excuse me, the sister sport of the NBA. I don't feel, I don't understand why they don't try to implement or, or help fund the WNBA. And I, I I came up with an idea. I don't know if someone is listening to this or maybe gets into the ears of uh, even Adam Silver. I feel like some of the money that these guys are being fined in the, in the NBA, that money should be somehow funneled to the WNBA, WNBA. to help build their fan base build that organization and help really pay some of these women that I feel like should be paid just as much as uh, the uh, on an yeah. even pay scale yeah. as some of these NBA players because that's why some of these girls have to play year round. They go from yeah. WNBA, then they have to go overseas. Obviously, it's yeah. probably been been tough now because of COVID and travel and things of that nature. But that's what I thought about because I feel bad because these women are working hard. And you think about some of the women that have families, have kids, and now they're having to really put a lot more, a lot more uh, wear and tear on their body, going from one one sport to another. <laughs> year, year, year round. And they just, they barely get any rest. And that's why you see, you know, women, you know, their careers, you know, probably shorten maybe two or three, four years before they're even ready. Because you think, I look at Lisa Leslie, she probably could have played a little bit longer, but because of the wear and tear, not only just the WNBA, then, you know, she's one of those or one of those athletes or female athletes that plays overseas. Then you got to think about too, if you're good enough and you're on the Olympic team, that's travel, that's practice time, and that's games. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. So if anybody, especially out here listening, uh, we're talking to Jen Welter. She's been like the first of so many things in the IFL coaching uh, and at the NFL level, IFL level, um, participated. Um, if anybody's out there listening, um, I, I would propose, or if you can basically get into the ear of somebody in the in the in the NBA, um, I think especially WNBA, uh, WNBA wise, uh, especially for the women that that I think they need funding, um, they need uh, bigger salaries. Um, again, like I said, you think about uh, you think about the women's national team. You know, they've been very vocal about you know them being paid just as much as some of these soccer players. And so I think the same thing should be taken into consideration when you're talking about the WNBA. So Adam Silver or anybody that's listening to this podcast, get your popcorn ready. Listen to uh, Jay and Jen Welter out there. Please propose that. Uh, I, I think, I think I, most of the time, some of the some of the owners, if they're especially in the same city, like the New York Knicks and the New York Liberty, I think the owners do give back. But you're, what you're talking about is a whole initiative because it's not millions and millions of dollars. It's you know, $25,000 or something, you know, that they're giving these organizations, but yeah. Right. But just think about, just think about some of these fines that these, these players are getting Not, I mean, just think about tax, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, discipline fines, all types of stuff. These aren't just bro. These aren't just chump, fi- chump fines. Yeah. What you're talking about, 25,000 for just the, 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 just say the New York Knicks to give to the New York Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. Bro, these guys are getting, that's in one night. Yeah. Some guys get, getting that in. 
over the weekend. So just think yeah. about just think about Kyrie Irving. He hasn't played in I don't know how many in how he's many get, games. They he's given uh, eight hundred eight hundred thousand dollars back. He said he's gonna get right. But just think that money could be going to the WNBA. I agree. I like, agree. I, and, and not not the entirety of it. That should be a percentage of it that goes to the WNBA like, to, to help fund and really again supplement some of their uh, some of their, their incomes. Like all the all the uh, fees for NFL players could be in a fund where it goes to um, high school and, and college female. Absolutely. Like and I agree. We're talking about I we're agree. talking about women football. Again, if you want to be inclusive, if you want to be true to you know uh, woman uh, and female inclusion, use some of that money, funnel some of that money into some of the women's programs. Yeah, I agree. Jen, there you have it. I gave you an idea. That's the answer. Some nuggets for you. I like it. <laughs> hey, and you know, I mean, one of the things I think is is happening too is people are talking about more the differences between the pay gap in the WNBA and the NBA. And, you know, we really saw, like, I've felt for all of the WNBA players, especially in the bubble situation, what they went through, the, you know, and how they led our society. I don't care if we were, we were definitely not paying them enough for the social change that they instigated. Look at the Atlanta Change the world. Change the Look, world. Like y'all changed Georgia. The, and was y'all Georgia changed, changed Georgia the world, which changed despite, America, which changed the right. world. Yeah. And despite your leader, like your owner. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cold. Like that is tough awesome. because they right. all risked everything for that to happen. That That's owner could right. said, cut all y'all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're she, off well, my she team. would be an idiot to do that because she'd been cutting the nose that's on her face. <laughs> she gone exactly. now. She gone now. So but exactly. no. Um so Jen, let's let want to find out a little bit more about you then let's say let you go. Um, but sure. there's a couple little just little nuggets that we want to know about you a little bit. So give us your favorite so talking football here, right? So give us your favorite NFL team growing up. Um you know, I had two when I was really young growing up in Miami, it was the Dolphins because I actually liked Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started, then when I started watching football, it was the Cowboys. Cowboys. Okay. It's no. so funny how women <laughs> associate their favorite things due With to like stuff. colors. Right. Colors. <laughs> they had nice pants. Right, right. I mean, I really liked Dolphins. So That's right. awesome. it's never, it's never really like, oh, I like, I like Dan Marino or, you know, because they, 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 they ran the ball. <laughs> right. Shula, whatever. It's just so, it's so funny how, yeah. Women yeah. So, I mean, it was, yeah. it was pretty, pretty little. Um, right. You know, when that was, but I, you know, I lovingly say it because we have those crazy associations, right? So who was your favorite player then? Mm. You can name one. Go on, name one. I'm going to go with. It could be current or past as well. Yeah, current or past. Well, I'm going to go with past. Like when I really started watching um, the Dallas Cowboys, like I loved Emmitt Smith. Emmitt, okay. I I just loved the way he like moved. And, you know, I really liked the Cowboys like starting that, you know, that era. So Mm -hmm. um, that always stood out to me. Um, Did you? you, Are you saying that because he was small in stature and he was able to (laughs) some of those same things? Did you? You know, is that that your familiarity? I mean, I just loved the way he moved, and he was like, he looked like magic on the field. And I think it was actually, you know, I don't remember what game it was, but I was like, why do I like this team, right? And I don't know if it was him that made me like, you know, just realize like, oh, there were other choices, but. Um, I do remember just at one time being like, no, no, I like the Cowboys. I like how they are as a team. And he was one of them that stood out back then. Who's your favorite coach of all time? Current or past? Same thing, right? Who was your coach that you would look up to or want to want to position yourself behind? Um, I mean, I don't know that I like I, I can't say anybody, but Bruce Arians, he changed all of football for women. So 
you know, and he has been committed to the diversity pipeline in the NFL for a very long time, you know, not just for women. So African-Americans as well, his his whole uh, first one to have two black uh, coordinators, offense and defensive coordinators as well. And he really does believe it. So (laughs) that's Bruce Arians for the uh, head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for everybody out there listening. That's who she refers to as B.A. Right. Who was (laughs) obviously the ex-coach, a former coach of the Arizona Cardinals. So now that you're saying I heard earlier, you like you wish he would smile more. Guess what? He was smiling on the inside. for the (laughs) You just didn't know it. It It didn't. You didn't see it externally, but internally he was smiling on the inside and, you know, obviously giving you an opportunity that I'm sure you're very, very grateful of. So absolutely. And this is awesome. Yep. All right. So now you can only choose one. Right. So you can either be an NFL head coach or the commissioner of the first female professional league. You can only have one. Ooh, mm. that's, a, that's a pretty good choice. I'm going to sip on my 81. This 81 vino out here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Eight, 81. What would you choose for me? I'm going to throw it back at T.O. <laughs> um, I, I, I think just, just, just listening to you for this entire hour, hour um, I think you're very uh, introspective. I think you, you played the game. Um, you, I think you know what's needed for the game to, to really get to where it is. So I could see a commissioner um, because, again, you've coached, you've done that. And I think you're someone that, again, ex- likes the challenge. So I think the challenge of being a commissioner could try to orchestrate and delegate um, everything. I think that's what I would see you. I think I'm going to go with both. Um, okay, no, no, you can't, you can't, you can't do no, both. You can't do both. Hold on, you ready? Here, look at that. She probably said, look at you guys. You're talking about women can't do both. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I think the trajectory is different, right? True, so very true. I, I think the the thing I've been committed to is, you know, you know this, T.O., years ago, women and men's football did not cross over at all. So everything I've done um, since being in the IFL and even before when I was like the lone girl coming out to coach those camps was building bridges. And we've we can move mountains when we move them together. So mm-hmm. I think if it was you know, if you were going to be a head coach in an NFL, then I would use that to help the women's league. Um, or if there was a women's league in that position, absolutely, I would do it. But okay. I think we're still at a point that yes. we need more synergy absolutely. to be able to create those bridges. And I think it's easier to do it from the inside than it is from the outside. Absolutely. Well, I'm not a lawyer by any means, but let me get a little bit litigious uh, right here with you for a minute. Um, I think that would be a conflict of interest, you know, for you to <laughs> obtain oh, I both. Oh, one and then the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I so, agree. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't okay. do both at the same time. No, okay. not at the same time. <laughs> okay. But I think okay, it's so, going to take longer for the women's game to get gonna, to that point. Yeah, so if yeah. it was, what would I do to build in the interim? It would be to continue to build more bridges between the men's and the women's game. And then yeah. if there was an opportunity to then, you know, take that and those relationships to be able to really bring the women's game to the next level. Um, that's how yeah. I could see it playing out. Well, I well, that's why I said that you would probably fit the more uh, in the commissioner box than a head coach box yeah, at this time. So you asked me to choose. So I was like, okay, I could see you. See, you can't ask him to choose yet. Now you're doing something you don't want to do. You know right. what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean? Okay, yeah. so so now as Justin is an athlete, again, you were you were in a professional football men's league, right? So as a professional, you can only have one. Be taller or faster? <laughs> faster. Faster? Okay. Faster. Okay. 
All right. Look, one more. My leverage has been an advantage throughout my career. If, if you know it's how to use it, big boys yeah, get down. If you know how to use it. Yeah. That's right. They're like, you know, if you just make me super X fast, you're going to have all the guys. And this is what I used to say when I played women's anyway. Like, you know, some of those alignments still be like this and I'd be back to the Yeah, format. back up so, on them. Okay. I, I, like, I, have a, I like being you a little that, You got another question, Hatch? I, I got one more. And of course, this is this is one of our boys who we also had on the show, one of our little brothers or whatever. So, but you spent some time with him when you were in Arizona and I guarantee he treated you the correct way because he's a gentleman. For oh, sure. nothing but respect. Already. So if you can, if you can, if you can have coach one NFL player, right? It's going to be the receivers. You're coaching the receivers, right? They just, they just got you. And you can bring in one free agent, either T.O. or Larry Fitzgerald. Which one you go bring in? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've never asked Larry about you at all, but I know how Larry showed you the utmost respect. I'm sure. So I'm sure you look up to Larry in a certain way, as me and T do. Like I said, we're all friends, one of our one of our buddies. But you can only choose one, and you're the free. You're, a free, you're he's a free agent coming in. Which one you go bring in? You know, Larry actually was really special to me in Arizona. Um, like on family day when I was like lost and kind of overwhelmed. Um, I remember he took me to Johnny Rockets for a, a burger <laughs> just to get away from it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every here's everybody's freaking out that like that it's Larry and he was just so even. And it was probably one of the most special moments I had in Arizona because I was like, Am, are we allowed to do this? Right. Like I felt right, like we right. were, you know, like all like sneaky sneaking out. And he right. was like, you know, and he took me for his ice cream that they had. He's like, coach, they're wearing you out. Like you need right. to just right? right. Cause it was like, I was being pulled in every direction. So Larry's looked out for me. I can't, I can't help but look out for Larry. And I would hope the team was smart enough to already have T.O. on the roster. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. They would be a really it. good combo, right? That's not one for one on them. I put, I put T.O. on the outside and I would, I would allow Larry to do what they moved him to later, which uh, is really exemplify his blocking. Yep. And then I'll uh-huh. be on, I'd be on the other side of you, T. Okay. Me, you and Fitzy as the top three. Can I, What's can that? I, me, you and Fitzy. I'd oh, be on, I, I play the X, you play the Z, Larry play the H. I don't know if Larry going to like that. You. He black black out. No, you play the H. I play no H. <laughs> Getting in there on that smoke with right. them back. Huh? <laughs> you know, one of my what? favorite Larry moments. <laughs> one of my favorite Larry moments is he actually said, you know, we were talking about how BA kind of reinvented him in Arizona. Yeah. And he just looked at me and he was like, Man, coach, I should have never showed BA I could block. The block. Yeah, absolutely. And I laughed because <laughs> they used to do that little half motion with Larry coming in towards the line of scrimmage, and yep. you knew it was a run coming that yep. way and right that ba- it wasn't the backer knew yeah the backer knew you was coming so we, we I mean, as, I mean, as receivers we would hate like i said you get them that first time in the first quarter but as soon as the coach called again you're like i know the backer know i'm coming now so you don't get that sneak in but you know it's part right. of the game. but that's oh, when yeah. hey that's when you fake it and release out and you're wide open because yeah. now the backer's trying to get away from you because they think it's a crack <laughs> block and then you're wide open up the scene this is true yeah but hey but if we, we you talking about me you and uh me and you and larry i bet you i was like man if i'm larry i'm like yo h i'm like no nah, bro your name starts with h you play h. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to the h <laughs> right so i got one more i got a couple more Go ahead. For you, yeah. uh, for, for for Jen, and uh, one of them would be okay. Obviously, playing especially because you played in the women's league and you played in the males league. So when you played for the men, and I and I'm already probably knowing the answer answer to this. Just the nature and the physicality, and obviously your mentality of the uh, approaching and preparing for for those practices and even games. 
did that help you tremendously when you went to the women's league that you were just kind of like, you probably was like on another level, like going from men playing with men and then you're playing with women. And obviously, like I said, you could be, I'm sure as a woman, you can see probably and understand why there's such a difference in how, you know, the, the perception is, okay, well, women can't play the men's game because you play and practice against the speed of, of uh, with the, the, the guys. Then you go to the women. What was that like? Well, first, I mean, I think one of the things that really helped me was, you know, I, I think everybody should have to play the opposite side of the ball at some point because you learn so much more, right? Like, having to be a running back and read the blockers in that way and what they were trying to do made me a better linebacker, right? Because now, oh, the O-line's doing this, boom, right? Like you already kind of knew it in theory, but now you've had to use it in the practice, right? Mm-hmm. And that helped me play better because I was reading the line. But what was funny, and I don't think you knew this, T, was, um, so, you know, obviously I was on practice squad for a lot of the games with the Revolution. And when they traveled, if you're on practice squad, you don't go. Right. Well, I didn't like not playing. So I didn't know that I would have gotten in really big trouble if they had known that later in the season when some of my my friends got hurt and they didn't have a linebacker, I actually went and played a few games um, <laughs> in women's football when I was on the Revolution roster. Um, Double dipping. I like, love it. <laughs> I didn't realize that I could have gotten really in trouble. There you go. That's all right. They never caught you. <laughs> right. Well, they found out after and I was like, too late now. But my head coach knew. He was like, go play. Like, it's right. bullshit. Like, go play. Right. Um, you know, because players want to play. And mm-hmm. he was like, I don't need you being cold. Like, go play. I'm good with it. So we were always really, really together on that. And um, when the first game that I got to play, I just felt like I felt like so fast. Right. Like I was always a quick player. Right. I was like, did did I just cheat? Like, did I get the cheat codes? Right. Like because it was like and I was like sideline to sideline. And um, actually, the Dallas team had folded. So friends of mine were playing for Houston. And that's where I went to play. And Brian Wiggins, who's a former NFL guy who owns the Houston Energy, who had hated coaching against me, was like, damn, well, like, you're next level right now. And I was like, I don't, I really feel like I'm cheating, right? Like, because having been out (laughs) on the field with those guys every day and, you know, I would do some defense stuff to help. And, you know, so I was reading just things so fast. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's but I did. I, I felt like the cheat coach. Right. That's mm-hmm. essentially what I was talking about going from IFL, learning to play. Yep. Not like I said, I played the entire season. So as I was practicing, like I said, the first couple of days I had to get used to it because literally I had to really adjust my routes on the fly. Because we went through a little bit of warm up, but we didn't go through the actual routes and plays. Right. When I got, when we got there and we started calling plays, I kind of knew the route. So I literally had to shorten, quicken my steps up just to get into those routes. But as practice progressed and then the weeks progressed, I got better and better. And so then it just became second nature just to go run a three and a half out route. Like Hatch, right. yeah. if I told yeah. Hatch, we're like, yo, let's, we're going to run a three and a half yard uh, out route. I'm like, like no, you ain't, you're going to run four. <laughs> right, right, because <laughs> I, with, our, with our with our gate coming off yeah. the line, we're already at like a yard and a half already. Yep. Now you're trying to shorten that, man, that's man, that's that's crazy. So you have to get and your body. And learning how to use that wall too. I yeah, and train, yeah, the wall. Oh yeah, the wall is another story. No. <laughs> I mean, but my other question um, um, was, you know, now, like I said, you, you, as a as a as a as a country, as a world, as the world has evolved, 
Um, you've seen women step into so many male dominated positions. Um, women like yourself, you're making so many impacts, so many impacts um, with your with what you're doing in your own lives. What how does it make you feel now that you're seeing women uh, step it in the forefront um, of some of these male dominated positions? And now we have our first not only. <laughs> Um, black, um, you know, um, uh, vice president, uh, vice president elect and Kamala Harris. How does how does that make you feel? Not just like I said, you're not African-American, but just as a woman, how does that make you feel? Because you like I said you in your own right and people that have followed you in, in your own mind. You're proud of what you've been able to accomplish to be the first. And now on a global scale, uh, you know, like I said, we have my uh, Madam uh, Vice President, President-elect and, Matt and uh, Kamala Harris. How does that make you feel as a, as a woman? Uh, you know, it's it's beyond words. Like if she smiles, I smile. Right. Because I smile mm -hmm. for every every individual. Right. Who gets to see her whether it's the fact that she's representing as a woman, she's also representing as a woman of color, like that is going to change generations of girls who say like, I can do that. Right. right. And yep. you can't look at her and not know that we are going to be more inclusive because she is going to set the standard for what it looks like. Right. She's right. going to crush it and people are going to be educated by it. You're always going to have the people who don't get it. Fine. Yep. We're, we're not going to change them. What we yep. have to do is focus on the generations who will grow up knowing that that's, how it's supposed to be that yeah, that it would be strange to not think to that not, way. Yeah, so profound. Yeah, so profound. Just to hear you say, okay, if you had a little girl talking to you or. Uh, asking you questions or speaking to you and be like, you know, Jen, you know, I can do that. And then you knowing, understanding where we are today and your response is like, yes, we can. Because yeah. it's not like I said, I mean, there's so many people like yourself um, in so many aspects in, of life that have been the first and been trendsetters, so like pioneers. Um, but again, this is, this is, I mean, what Kamala Harris has, has accomplished being, um, you know, the, the Madam Vice President's elect has been historic, um, you know, on so many levels. And like I said, I, I, I growing up, I don't ever think, no, I, I can't even say I think, I know I didn't ever think that that would be uh, a woman, uh, especially a woman of color in the position that she holds right now. And again, well, I, think we, I mean, be let's be straight up. We owe a lot of the change that has been made in this last election to women of color who came Absolutely. up, spoke up. I mean, Stacey Abrams moved mountains, WA, yeah. the, you know, WNBA, right. the Atlanta dream. And, and that to me is like, this is how it's supposed to be. Right. right. They've been strong, but they've been strong in the background. And, and why? Right? right. We like yeah. we need advocates for change at all levels at the forefront and to realize that diverse voices are strong voices because we have different vantage points and we can come together to create a better world that includes the, the challenges and the opportunities that each of us face. And we can only know those if we come together and have those conversations. Right. If, and you, you know, and you're one, and you're one of the first ones, Jen. And so we, we appreciate you. We thank and you. And I'll for drink again. to that. And we'll drink hey. to that. And we'll, and we'll eat some popcorn to that. So Jen, no, we appreciate you coming on the show again. Thank you so much for your time. Um, again, you keep doing your thing. Keep leading the way. Keep being an example. We appreciate you. Anytime, Absolutely. guys. You know, hey, it's family. It's a family affair. That's what there we're doing. There it is. Already. Yeah. All right. You enjoy the rest of the day. All right. There it is. I'm get your popcorn ready with Jen Welters. Thank you again.
My All pleasure. Right. All right, Peace. Great job, guys. Thank you. All right. Yay, yay. Welcome to Get Your Popcorn Ready Podcast. It's your host, Hatches in the building. Yep, like yep. your boy. Yep, and this is T.O., Man, we just had a great session. I mean, I'm talking about, dude, this was, uh, again, every 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 episode, I'm always saying that, you know, this may be my favorite one. Um, again, this this is honestly a very insightful one. Um, mm-hmm. We had a, a female on here, not our first female. Um, right. We talked about a lot of firsts um, yes. with this individual, <laughs> and that's uh, Jen Welter, who was, a, I mean, first to, to one of the women, first women to, to coach uh, on a number of levels, uh, mm-hmm. played in the IFL, coached coached um at the at that level and then one of the first to to coach in the in the NFL, NFL. yeah under under Bruce Arians so uh man i mean it was very insightful just to, and encouraging just to hear her story and inspiring mm-hmm. at, at that for everybody that listened. I mean, they, they should be able to get something um, from what they heard today. Absolutely. I mean, again, you got her. She's probably been doing her thing for 15, 20 years. But in 2015, when the Arizona Cardinals brought her into training camp, she was the first female to, to go into an NFL training camp as a coach. So, uh, you know, everybody doesn't recognize her until then. But for her to continue right. to stay on that path. That's what it's about. That's what we're, you know, I guess trying to get in again. Right. That's what she's more of an inspiration in anything. Um, and I think that kind of what brings us to, um, uh, of course, our three and out segment. Three and out, three and out baby. Um, so yeah, three and out segment is we take three things away from the conversation that kind of hit us and when we wanted um, to kind of recap. And again, that goes right into um, when she's the first one for me was when she said it was kind of uh, less about the coaching and more about com- how the com- how the media was going to portray her or how she was going to be portrayed and how she could control that narrative. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Controlling the narrative. Um, but here it's said, it was just uh, something that was unprecedented, you know, to obviously have a, a female um, number one plan, in the mm-hmm. IFL, um, and then obviously, you know, that transitioned in, into coaching. Um, so, I mean, you got to applaud her for, number one, just her persistence and her perseverance mm-hmm. uh, of all of that, yeah. uh, just from a, me- yep. a mental and physical uh, standpoint, but then just uh, the other added elements of, of the media, uh, you know, trying to create their own story. And I yeah. think, yeah, number two, I guess, would be the, you know, just her no quit attitude, yeah. um, you know, um, just, you know, playing running back and, you know, she gets yeah. the ball, she knows she's going to be a target. And, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's constantly, like I said, when you talk about, you know, falling on your face and getting back up a number of times, this is what she did. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that would be number two is just her no quit attitude and her coaches, you know, asking her, like, you know, telling her, uh, yeah, no, take a, yeah, take a break. Yeah. When take they take a break, break. <laughs> she's looking at she's looking at at him, you know, obviously taking that hit. She's a little, you know, a little cloud, just a little, little cloudy upstairs. You know, mm-hmm. She said she had tears in her eyes. Now, she wasn't crying, but. Yeah. That's how hard they hit her. And she literally had a, a, a little bit of wherewithal to say no, you know, mm-hmm. two times. And he was like, the coach was like, I I'm, give up. I'm <laughs> done. I'm out. <laughs> if you want to go keep hitting your head on the wall, go right. Right. If you want to kill yourself, you go right ahead. I can right. just imagine right. the coach right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Then I guess the third thing would be um, the, the Clinton Solomon uh, solo, I guess her, her mentor to this day when uh, he was one of the team leaders. And, and he came to us like, yo, you need anything, you know, in this locker room on the feel, you know, let me know. And I just thought that was a great example of leadership. Um, and again, a good character person that you you, know, you need in that locker room, especially when you're the new person. This is for, you know, younger NFL or younger college players too. You're going to need that person in that locker room to believe in you and kind of lead you down that path. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, to have somebody like that to just 
to have an understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of a lot of guys, you know, in that moment would be aware of what right. was going on. Not just okay, there's a girl at practice. You know, how do we handle this situation? Um, you can just tell he was in tune with what she was trying to accomplish and kind of just you know took himself uh, out of the I guess the mindset of just being one of the guys. You know, seeing a girl at practice and really trying to incorporate her and really help what she was trying to 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 accomplish and just not only just said just treating her like one of the guys and not you know just seeing her as as, as a female you know in a, in a in a in a male dominated game yep well there you have it ladies and gentlemen jen welter first nfl coach and among the first nfl first female in a lot of spaces of this football so appreciate you coming on keep doing your thing on the journey of coaching. So thank you again, Jen Welter. Absolutely. Everybody that listen, get your popcorn ready. Yeah. Get your popcorn ready podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on the Himalaya app or ever get your podcast. Yep. And if you want to see the video version of this, definitely it's a must see and a must listen to, but definitely a must see. Go to you, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Terrell Owens. Yeet. Peace.